In these unprecedented times, we need effective immune support. That's why I'm excited to introduce two formulas that work, CV Defense and CV Acute. There's nothing quite like them. CV Defense is a daily preventative. The only supplement that delivers the six most important ingredients to optimize your immune function, including PEA, a critical molecule for long-term immunity at the cellular level. CV Acute is a fast-acting, great-tasting syrup for direct immune activation. It eliminates invaders with a fruit flower and root of patented Chinese medicine. I take it when I feel run down to fend off respiratory infections. Both products are safe, all-natural, and backed by numerous clinical trials. For more information and to order, go to TotalImmuneHealth.com and take advantage of discounts from 30 to 50% just for listening to Intelligent Medicine. That's TotalImmuneHealth.com. TotalImmuneHealth.com for the most exciting immune support products in years. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. It's our weekly Q&A with Layla, an event that I very much anticipate because it's an opportunity to answer questions all in sundry from you, our listeners. Radio program at AOL.com is the destination, and I also I get, I get to uh, discourse uh, with my good colleague, Layla Mutin, who recently was featured among the women pioneers in nutritional medicine. Oh, wait, I'm not dead yet. You're not dead. No, I don't have to be it's dead okay. first. Well, you get an exemption. You get an exemption. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, you uh, join such uh, illustrious uh, people as, uh, uh, let's see, you know, we've got um, uh, the uh, Galloping Gourmet. You know, what's her, what's her name? Uh, Galloping Gourmet was Graham Care. No, Graham Care. I'm thinking that's a male. That's a male. Uh, but yes. uh, what what's the uh, the woman pioneer? Oh, Julia Child. Julia Child. Yeah. Right. Who is uh, long since deceased, and other illustrious pioneers in the field of uh, nutrition, right. although not properly in nutrition, she had a big impact on American nutrition. Absolutely. And uh, you, in your own way, are having a big impact on uh, the nutrition of Americans. So you have a deserved place. I hope so. So um, thank you. That was for Nutrition Month, and uh, also Women's History Month. Oh my. So you are now, you are, you're, you're, his, a double whammy. you're a historical artifact. <laughs> I'm a historical artifact. <laughs> you know, you're Is that on, what happens at 57? You're on the preservation list. <laughs> yeah. You know, as, yes, I would be on the preservation list. It's right. like, uh, you're like a World Health Organization. Yeah, let me make uh, some brine and sight. Right. Go swim in it. <laughs> right. Formaldehyde. <laughs> Formaldehyde, right. So, yeah, before we get to questions, no. uh, there is a, uh, a rather shocking article uh, which uh, comes to us via poll by the American Psychological Association. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm actually astonished by this. Mm-hmm. Um, it says a recent study found that 42% of participants gained on average X pounds of unwanted weight during the pandemic. 23. 15. 15 or 23? Take one. 23. Pick one. 23. I want to say 15, though. I don't know. 29 pounds of unwanted weight. 
oh during the goodness. pandemic. That's a lot, people. I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking, okay, That's so with people gaining 1.5 pound per month, I could see that happening. Yes. 1.5. So, but 29 not, pounds. Unless you're staying home and doing burpees, yeah, you're going to probably put on a... At least a pound and Researchers half. say a combination of stress hormones and dwindling motivation to exercise during the lockdowns may be to blame. Yes. Now, uh, there's also a counter trend, which is, you know, I've seen it in, in comments when I posted this article on Facebook, is that mm-hmm. some people said, well, due to lockdown, I've been exercising like crazy. Mm. Um, but, you know, I have Just to say that... something to do. Uh, the, I have found that I personally gained a little bit of weight. I gained mm. about five pounds. Mm. And... Uh, you know, some of that is just due to the proximity of the refrigerator all the time. You know, the True. ease of, like, eating. And uh, you're not going out and running regular errands. Remember at the beginning of the lockdown, you didn't go to the grocery store every day like a nice French woman might right. after work. You know, we were told, only go out when you have to. Right. So, hello. Or alternatively, like, in the yeah. office today, you know, I had breakfast at 8, and I was seeing patients, 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 and it was like 2 o'clock, by the, 2.15 by the time I finished. And, you know, I because I was very... Occupied with patients, I didn't be. I wasn't thinking about food. I wasn't right, thinking like, right, right, excuse right. me, I have to pull a hamburger out of my you know yeah. desk drawer here and eat something in front of you. You know, I was pretty much on an adrenaline rush. You know, talking to these patients, and then at the end, it was like, oh yeah, you know, I'm hungry. Let's like go yeah. have lunch. So, um, you know, and I noticed that sometimes, you know, when I when I travel, I actually eat less. Because, you know, it's it's logistically to get to find a place and yeah. the right place. And, you know, I'm in a foreign exactly. country and, you know, all the obstacles to that. Sure. I end up eating less. When I'm at home, it's like I, I could stock my larder. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was able to shop. I was able to order things online. You got all your favorite things. Yeah. And it was like, you know, okay, he'll have a little reward. You know, it's stressful. They also say yeah. that high levels of cortisol mm-hmm. are contributing to this. Yeah. But the statistics, and I'll read them, um, I don't know. Nearly 10% of those people gained more than 50 pounds? What? Wow. On the flip side, nearly 18% of Americans said they experienced unwanted weight loss. Unwanted weight loss. They're so stressed. Uh, well, some people who are very anxious, they don't gravitate to food. They cannot eat. They so lose take, their appetite. Take a while to guess. When people said that they experienced unwanted that weight loss, on average, yeah. on average, that was a loss of X pounds. Take a guess. Wild guess. Um... Nine. You'll never guess because they said 26 pounds. They lost 26 pounds. That's kind of a wacky. I think that this, is very wacky. That has, I don't, I no. Over what period of time? The nine months? Uh, they, the they ten said, months? They said from March uh, 2020 to January 2021. 84% of U.S. adults experienced at least one motion oh, associated wait. with prolonged stress in the prior two weeks. Yeah. It could be that because of comorbidities, they were afraid of dying of COVID. Therefore, they said, I'm getting serious about my diet. No, we said unwanted weight loss. Unwanted. Who has unwanted weight loss? Very few people. I I don't know. I think it's a wacky uh, survey, but I'll... I'll, It is. Let's go go a little bit in more more, uh, granular level on this. But coming back to stress hormone and cortisol and weight gain, being told to socially distance six feet, we we are social creatures. Yes. This absolutely raises our our physiological stress our cortisol and that will pack on weight that will pack on weight so here's how they break it and broccoli is not going to cut it it's got to be ice cream it's got to be something like that right you know so so i have to say it and give you an idea is so this week i said you know i'm getting ready for the summer season you know we're going to be doing a lot of running and cycling and pounds count and i want to be really you know really uh uh you know very fit 
Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, plus I have uh, uh, a wetsuit, which I could barely squeeze into at, a, you know, five pounds less. <laughs> Sausage casing. <laughs> right. And, which is going to enable me to swim pretty soon because once, yeah. you know, once it's like 55 degrees, I can get in the water. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I don't want to be like, oh, I can't get my mm-hmm. wetsuit. So I, mm-hmm. I want to lose the weight. So I, I got on what we advocate to a lot of patients, a very low carb diet. Now, I had been on a pretty low-carb diet. I wasn't yes. eating, like, I had no ice cream, I had no pizza, but I was having a little more, you know, like, uh, I would keep a little uh, 85% chocolate, and mm-hmm. I would, you know, have a little big, you know, a nice fruit bowl. Yes. And so I stopped that. So what I noticed is that I went through a little bit of withdrawal, you know. Sure. I, I, I At the end of the meal, it's like I'm looking for something. I'm You're looking, looking for, for that, that little nosh, that yeah, end to the meal. Yeah, yeah, and... And I'm, I'm, and I figured by uh, eliminating that, I could eliminate maybe four or five hundred calories or more per day. You sure. know, just added calories. Yeah. Which weren't making That's significant, me fat. Five hundred calories. But yeah. it was it was resulting in a net energy surplus. Sure. Even though I was exercising a ton. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think some of the weight gain has been good because I've been I've been doing a lot of you know I've been doing weights and I've been doing uh, you know floor exercises right. and like a hundred muscle weighs more than hundred push ups so, and sure. things like that. Muscle is dense, and you know, and, and it's weighty. But it's you know, nevertheless, I wanted to get down to fighting trip. But I it, I I have a little empathy this mm. week as I go through the initial phases of sort of keto adaptation, right? Yes. Uh, and you know, actually, I felt you know this weekend was kind of cold and dreary. I just didn't feel like doing anything the first couple of days. I just yeah. felt, you know, like that little bit, that keto flu, muscle aches, and, mm. you know, now I'm out of it. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, um, just sort of a tiredness and yeah. out, out of sorts. Out of sorts. Because the body is switching from, it's like a hybrid car switching from, you know, the, the uh, gas to electric. Yeah. You know, like a yeah. different fuel source, in this case, mm-hmm. fats. Mm-hmm. But uh, this has actually been reported is that it's not, if you want to do really high level athletics, you, you got to have some, some carbs, some carbs, because a total sure. keto diet is great for weight loss and uh, diabetes. But for really high level, you know, long distance performance, you're going to feel a little bit of a um, bonk. Sure. Without the wall. glycogen. Absolutely. You, know? you need it. But, but eventually you keto adapt. You could do pretty right. well. But, you know, if I'm going to do like a triathlon or a race, I'm going to have some carbs again. Um, anyway, mm-hmm. here, the statistics are just flooring me. <laughs> Gen Z adults, 18 to 24, average gain of 28 pounds. Now, this is not average f- overall. It's of those who reported undesired weight gain, huh. which was 52%, the majority. Wow. Among young people, 18 to 24. Average gain, 28 pounds. Millennials, that's a kind of important age group. That's the group where, you know, you go into your high school reunion. You know, it's like 15, your 15, 20 year high school reunion. Mm-hmm. And you want to look good. That's a millennial. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There's some, there's, there's some sad cases, you know, when you go to the high school reunion uh, at that age. Yeah. Uh, 48% of millennials reported undesired, desired weight gain with average gain of, wait for it, 41 pounds. Oh, stop. Come on. You know, you know, part of the reason for that is that they're, when they're really young, they are at a really fit weight, you know, like maybe they're high school athletes. Yeah. Uh, or college athletes. And then they go to pot. So 41 pounds. 41 pounds. X, Xers, 21 pounds. 
<clears throat> boomers, my age range, 57 to 75, 37% of boomers reported. See, they, boomers did better. Mm. Maybe because they were already fat already. <laughs> <laughs> they were already <laughs> Get this. They did the best of all. Average gain of only 16 pounds. Yeah. So they maybe they had they were already so far they along. They already had the middle age spread, so to speak. Yeah. And maybe yeah. they also didn't experience much deprivation because already they're kind of like lowered expectations. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah older yeah. adults. Uh, wow. 5% of older adults reported undesirable weight loss. Mm. Yeah, that's weird because older adults really have a lot of undesired weight loss. Right. You From know, illness, 76 typically. plus. Yeah, but sarcopenia, just that... Sarcopenia, you know, the, yes. The, the frailty. Absolutely Only frailty. 5%? I don't know. 25% report undesired weight gain in the older 76 plus. Uh, then they did the racial. They found it was pretty bad among, uh, you know, whites, 30 pounds, Hispanics, 28 pounds, black adults, 35 pounds, so it was the worst of all. Asians, just 12 pounds. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Uh, essential workers, 38 pounds. Mm, that's a parents, lot of stress. Parents report a lot of undesired weight gain with an average gain of 36 pounds. Again, this is not all of them on average. It's of those who reported undesired weight gain, which in most cases sure. was at least half of the majority. <clears throat> um, I don't know. This is done prepared by the American Psychological Association. Mm. I, I don't know. I think they should need to get they need to get checked out. Yeah, <laughs> you know, because yeah. You know, they're that I think exaggerate. But look, it's a bad problem. And sure, we talk about the COVID fifteen, and just in terms of comments on Facebook, um, you know, people saw this and they commented. I had just to give you an idea. Uh, one person wrote, "I'm too feisty and Irish to let outside circumstances affect my plan. It's all about maintenance." Uh, another person wrote, "Nope." Weigh a few pounds less. Kept up the good eating pattern. Exercised on a stationary bike and some resistance and light weights. So good for her. Um, another person writes, added the pandemic 23. Mm. 23 pounds. I've managed to drop five with exercise. And another person writes, because of the pandemic, I've been exercising every day and I'm thrilled with my weight loss. Mm. So it could go either way. Uh, you sure. know, people could say, look, there's nothing else to do. Let me work on self-improvement. You know, yeah. I'll, I'll start exercising a ton. You know, now I could start my exercise program. Before, I didn't have time. Didn't have time. Now I, there's all the time in the world. Structure your time. I mean, like a lot of people working from home, they, they take a big break. You yes. know, I, I was in the suburbs, and I see people walking, walking, walking all day. Yeah. And they look like the age where they are still employed. You yeah. Know, with, but they've done their morning meetings, and then they allocate maybe an hour in midday to go take a nice walk or sure. you know, take a jog or something. You know, do something. Mm -hmm. I, mm -hmm. It's it's Absolutely. cuts both ways. Anyway, yeah. look. If some of this is true, we've got a big problem on our hands going forward in terms of Americans' health. That's true. And so, a lot of lives are going to be claimed by COVID mm -hmm. that where people never got COVID. Yes. You know, it's it's the collateral damage of COVID. Right. You know? right. So our work is cut out for us as true. nutritionists, medical nutritionists. That's true. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So hopefully, all of that will turn around. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, let's see. We're ready for questions? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Okay. We've got one from Patty. Hi, Dr. Hoffman. I've read your article on hypothyroid. I've been taking Synthroid for 40 years and never felt well. The last five 40, years... 40? 40. Four zero. Four zero years. Well, that's not good. The last five years have been brutal with exhaustion and fatigue. I've never had my free T3 tested 
until I asked my doctor in November. And? Why don't they test that? I always see TSH and T4, and that's as far as it goes right. on so many because people's Because they don't believe in T3. The dictum is to take Synthroid. But I have to say that the latest uh, uh, word from the, whatever the authority is, the, Ameri- the Endocrine Society or yeah. the Thyroid Association, is that they are now entertaining the idea of testing <clears throat> the validity of adding T3 to T4, just, which essentially is a natural thyroid combination. Just, enter, just entertaining the idea? Their, their, or how many more years until they actually... Right. Maybe till this person is... Yeah. When this person has had 50 years of exhaustion and fatigue, though. Yeah. yeah. So, Patty found that her T3 was low. No kidding. Yeah. Recently, I got my doctor to add Cytomel, 20 micrograms daily. Still not feeling well. I'm better, but not great. My doctor will not increase my dose of Cytomel because... Now my TSH is too low. Can you help me? Do you take telemedicine patients? And I do. Yes. And so, you know, with T3, uh, T4 and T3 are what the thyroid make. The theory is if you just give T4 as Synthroid, it'll get converted to T3. Well, it doesn't always. Yes. And that's why people don't feel that well. And and study after study validates that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And notwithstanding the endocrine society is slow to change. There yeah. are some precautions because if you administer too much T3, you can over-rev a person, you can give them palpitations, or yeah. you can encourage osteoporosis. So, you know, there's caution is warranted, especially in older patients. And I presume this person, 40 years of fatigue, is probably a little older, so they're going to be cautious about the, T, the mm-hmm. T3. But the doctor was amenable to prescribing it. Um, this person might benefit from uh, a different formulation uh, using a natural armor thyroid or using T4 and T3 a couple of times during the day. Sometimes you need to use the T3 in divided doses yes. because T3 is short acting. It might just act for you know four or six hours mm-hmm. and not do the trick for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. Now, the other possibility is <laughs> that you know we're one note Charlie's about thyroid. Yes, the person has a thyroid problem. This person may have a multitude of things that are slowing her down. Right. Uh, right. So we would take a comprehensive look at that because when sure. you know when you optimize the uh, tests and you've tried every which way with thyroid, there may be more to it than thyroid. Right, 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 right. So, Patty, yes, Dr. Hoffman does take telemedicine patients, so call the office. Right. And this is kind of a special yeah. allowance during COVID. Normally, I would insist that a patient come in. Yes. Uh, but due to COVID, <laughs> we make special allowances. The uh, It's sort of like voting. You know, it's, it's the Long Island area codes. So. It's, it's like yeah. voting. It's, it's like, like voting. it's like you know, it's like oh, we have now uh, absentee ballots and we have drop-in ballots and we have every which way you know, so the people can vote. You know, it's like under the yes under the uh, you know, excuse of COVID. Now we've loosened our restrictions on uh, having doctors talk to patients remotely because mm-hmm. we you know people are underserved. You know, there's actually some statistics on how people um, have not had uh, adequate mammograms, uh, people have not mm-hmm. had adequate colonoscopies, yes. uh, people have, in one case, uh, they've talked to this patient, she says, oh, I didn't take my uh, osteoporosis medication because it has to be injected. I, For the whole, uh, they dropped me for a whole uh, yes. year. You yeah, know? Right? there's that too. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. Patty, best of luck. You can make an appointment. Let's see, this is from Michael. Hi, Dr. Hoffman and Layla. Would the Johnson & Johnson vaccine be preferable to Pfizer and Moderna's because it uses an older and more widely tested technology compared to the other two? Yeah, that's that's a good question. So, you know, to break it down, 
Because it's not an mRNA. Well, it is actually an mRNA. Oh, it is? Yeah. It's just that uh, the, the, the Pfizer and Moderna are the first vaccine of their ilk, which have included packets of RNA, which have been delivered in effect in, in liposomal envelopes, which then go into the bloodstream uh, and then are presented to the um, to the immune system. Actually, mm-hmm. give instructions to make spike protein, mm-hmm. but without the virus, just the spike protein, which then the immune system uh, recognizes and builds resistance to. Mm-hmm. Uh, Johnson Johnson actually uses a similar technique, but the vehicle is slightly older and you know a little bit more tried and true, which is to use a harmless adenovirus as the carrier for the RNA uh, information. The yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's the, right, the vector, that which transmits the RNA and presents it to the immune system. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's not really, I mean, you could say, well, it's like more traditional. It's like, oh, like, like these old vaccines that are tried and true. It's, it's actually kind of, still kind of novel. Like, Right. Uh, and it it's not like, oh, inject a virus into an egg and then take the antibodies from the egg or something like that. It's very old fashioned. Um, mm. th- this is, the, they both are very high tech bioengineered techniques. And so I'm, I can't say that the uh, Johnson & Johnson is less immunogenic. You know, yes. less likely to cause it's a reaction. It's only one shot instead of two. Only one shot, you know. Which is kind of little convenient. Le- a little less effective overall, but the, the, the bottom line, all of them seem to prevent, uh, you know, serious uh, infection and death. Mm-hmm. Like nearly 100%. Mm-hmm. It's almost unprecedented that somebody with a vaccine uh, gets on a ventilator or dies. Right. I mean, that would have to be somebody with like a, re- like a very immunosuppressed, mm-hmm. you know, condition. Yeah. Michael, thank you for that question. This is and from, I wrote about it. I actually wrote about yeah. it. I said, you know, people were asking me which vaccine to take, and then somebody snidely wrote back, like, "What are you talking about, doctor? We don't really have a choice. You <laughs> just get." And it's no, it's actually we are getting to the point where where you have you know, a you choice. Go, you go one place and they're offering this, and you go to another place and they're offering that. Exactly. And naturally, people when offered a choice, they want to read up on it and right. Even though we don't know the answers, it's like, uh, it's like you want to... it's loosened up. I think starting next week, anybody age 16 and above can make an appointment. And at this point, I know at least two people who would prefer the J&J vaccine. They've already found their site and they, they've made their appointment. So you are able to choose now. It's not like it was two months ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the well. J&J offers the convenience to one shot. Yeah. Yeah. This is from Mickey. Hi, Dr. Hoffman and Layla. I'm looking for any help you can offer for an 85-year-old lady afflicted with myodysplastic syndrome. She's been on two or three medications. None have produced any positive results, but her oncologist is keeping her on the last medication. Along with blood transfusions, her energy level is very low. Yeah, this is a, a, a tired bone marrow condition. Oh. And uh, the bone marrow wears out, and you just don't make blood products. Oh, and then, then you become... Low in your red blood cells. Red, and you, you become anemic and you have a low white blood cells and low platelets sometimes. So okay. uh, this is a very common 
associated with uh, aging. Yes. Uh, it can sometimes result in uh, you know, multiple myeloma or, or it can morph into a leukemia. Mm. Uh, you have to watch out for transformations that are dangerous transformations in the blood. Mm. Um, really common condition uh, for which medications are used. Uh, is there a natural concomitant to that? Um, you know, I have to say there's not a magic bullet treatment for myelodysplastic uh, syndrome, uh, but, uh, you know, I would say that it's good to maintain adequate levels of vitamin D. Yes. Uh, also, glutathione precursors. Yeah. Uh, and acetylcysteine. Yeah, like things like that. Yeah. And um, vitamin D is also a glutathione precursor to a degree. It helps to boost glutathione oh, okay. too. Vitamin D does. So very important. Yeah. And, you know, is it possible that, uh, you know, a combination of uh, a portfolio of nutrient nutrients can, can uh, make it happen, you know, for blood production? It's not about... It's unfortunately not a type of anemia that's responsive to B12 or folate or iron. Yeah. Uh, because it's the problem is not with lack of iron it, or raw materials. The problem is the with the manufacturing, the manufacturing of, of you know, and the Manufacturing's gone down. Yep. Okay. Oh. Wow. So her energy level's very low. Hmm. That, right. that would go with the territory. Yeah. That would go with the territory. All right. Well, Mickey, thank you for your question. All right. Let's see here. We have from Bonnie. Dear Dr. Hoffman, Layla, I thought Layla did such an excellent job answering the question about the dangers of driving cholesterol too low. She did touch briefly on the fact that LDL numbers could be more concerning if the particles are small and dense and indicated that this mostly happened from poor diet blood sugar, inflammation. My husband takes a 10 milligram statin at night, has a fasting insulin of five, an A1C of 5.2. That's all good. Yeah. But has very high levels of LDL, even though his total cholesterol is 200. So if he continues using the statin to drive his total LDL lower, will that make the small dense particles less risky? His diet is good, but not perfect, and he admits he carries 10 extra pounds. Mm-hmm. And would well, losing any weight impact reducing triglycerides yeah, first? Again, I, I, I yeah. always like to go to the question of, is there coronary artery plaque? Yeah. And that needs to be determined to see if it really makes a lot of sense to remain on a statin. That's, that's how I do a second opinion on statin use. Uh, but, you know, I like to weigh all the factors. Yeah. And so this... Unfortunately, it kind of comes out of the rubric of a consult, you know, where we want to uh, assess all <coughs> the risk factors doing. and not just the LDL or the particle size, you know, the oxidized LDL or the LP little a or the homocysteine and, you know, yes. find out you know, what's driving this person's risk. If the person really has high risk or not, it's possible this person does not really need to be on a statin yeah. because LDL... Um, may or may not be consequential. Yeah. And that's a controversial statement, but, you know, LDL per se is not the sole driver of cardiovascular risk. Right. And lowering it with statin is not um, a panacea mm-hmm. for cardiovascular protection mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. is sometimes unnecessary. 
you know, we're just right. treating the numbers. We're not treating, a, you know, the person, the unique yeah. person. So uh, I'm going to forego an answer on that. Yeah. I don't know if there's any other way around that. Right. Because what does this person want and wants me to say whether this guy needs to be on a statin? Well, or... how do we make the small, dense LDL big and fluffy? Uh, Reduce your carbohydrates, number one. Number one. That will help you to get more of a pattern A. Exercise. From a pattern B. Exercise, absolutely. Yes. Yes. And then I wonder what the triglyceride numbers are, too. It's they don't not provide just about them. The... That's no, important. Yeah. No, all about... All about LDL. It, wow. But uh, it's interesting. Insulin 5 and hemoglobin A1C 5.2 yeah. suggest that we're not dealing with a real uh, serious metabolic syndrome. Right. Um, but you know, that A1C, we can't always rely on no, it. No, exactly. We had a patient today where we looked at that and looked at their fasting blood sugar and said, what? Yeah. Because the fasting blood sync. sugar was over 100, although less than 110. Yeah. But the A1C is 5.1. Yeah. I, I've, I had so a, we found that fishy. I had a case once where a person had a very good hemoglobin A1C and had a normal uh, blood sugar, but had a very high insulin, mm, you know, which suggests yes. insulin resistance right. is going on. Right. So, But usually that's reflected as somewhat elevated triglycerides. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the 10... And low LDL. And the 10 uh, pounds... Low HDL. The 10 sorry. pounds overweight, you know, like yeah. people's self-estimate of how much overweight they are is they often underestimate. wrong. They underestimate. Yeah. yeah, that's true. And then there's this phenomenon of tofi, thin outside, fat inside. You know, it's like how uh-huh. much of that excess weight is distributed as visceral fat and, you know. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So, I, you know, I so don't, Bonnie, I don't yeah. mean to mystify this, but it, it is in the realm of a uh, more detailed analysis than can be mm-hmm. given via a quick answer. Yeah. On, yeah. yeah. It's a consult. Fair enough. Yeah. Thank you, Bonnie. All right. Let's uh, pause because we divide our podcast into two parts. Layla, give us a preview of what we're going to talk about in part oh. two. Oh. Do you have any recommendations to minimize post-vaccine reactions? Okay. Coming up in part two, I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Today with Layla Mutant. It's our weekly Q&A with Layla. Keep those questions coming. Radio program at AOL.com. Your questions are excellent as usual. We'll be right back.